the hilarious comedy crew are here again as they carry on camping and causing chaos and confusion wherever they go. So if you're losing and they're pursuing far, then there's no need to worry, cause I'll be camping hard. Yeah, I'll be camping hard. It would be an incredible feeling for me if I coach somebody and I see them go right to the very top um, and you play a part in that. Well, hello again there, friends in podcast land, and welcome to episode 144 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and this episode is from the first week on the pitch of the Whitecaps 2016 pre-season training camp. It's been a lot of things to take in so far this week. It's our first glimpse in the flesh of Masato Kuro on the pitch. We've also seen the first three draft picks, Cole Seiler, Christopher Hellman and Thomas Sanner. We've seen the return of Darren Mattix, Eric Hurtado, a lot of the young guys that are hoping to make the breakthrough into the first team. Some of them looking to make the breakthrough from the USL squad into the MLS squad. And some guys in the camp just looking to get any kind of contract they can. I'm flying solo again this week, but I'm going to bring you a number of interviews that I've done this week at training camp. And it seems to be a very striker-heavy episode. We're going to hear from two strikers back with the Whitecaps, hoping to try and establish themselves somewhere in the pecking order for the season ahead. We're going to hear from Darren Mattox and Eric Hurtado. And from two strikers trying to force their way into Carl Robinson's plans to a striker that is no longer in them, at least in the playing side. Robert Earnshaw announced his retirement as a player today, but it was also announced that he's taken over as the residency under-14 head coach as well as the strikers coach for the first team. So we got a chance to speak to Robert just before he took his first training session with the under-14s up at Burnaby Lake. So we're going to hear his excitement about the, the job ahead and just why he's made this decision to, to do this now in his career. And we'll round the show off with a quick chat with Christian Dean, another player looking to try and force his way into Kyle Robinson's plans this year. Well, let's kick things off with Darren Mattox. The Jamaican has returned to the Whitecaps for his fifth season in MLS. Really hard to believe he's been here five years now. He's a veritable veteran of the squad now. And I have to say, from talking to him, it's a, it's a more mature, it's a more reflective Darren Mattox. He said he feels he's got a new perspective on things. So myself and Jason Perez from CTV got a chance to speak to Mattox at Whitecaps training on Wednesday. Just to ask him about how he's feeling coming into this year's camp what he needs to do to kind of find some of his goal-scoring form with Jamaica for the Whitecaps. And of course, I had to ask him about those transfer rumours that just seem to consistently dog him. So let's kick the show off with Jamaican international Darren Mattox. Jamaica. 
Another year, another camp, and a lot of fitness so far. Uh, how are you feeling uh, fitness-wise? Pretty good. You know? um, I didn't expect um, to feel this fit, so, so that's really good news. You know? I've been um, traveling quite a bit for, over the last couple of days. You know? So to get back um, two days under my belt now, you know, it's really good. So it's something to look forward to heading, heading into Arizona. Yeah. Entering your, your fifth season now, do you, do you feel any different in this camp compared to prior camps? Obviously, the the maturation is coming there as as an MOS veteran now. Uh, uh, how do you feel? Yeah, most honest. I think um, um, over the last four years, I've really learned a lot. You know, I mean, um, it it has definitely matured coming into this season. Now. So I mean, I look at things on a different perspective um, from an off the field point of view and hopefully that translates on the field you know? so I think this is my fifth season so I definitely expecting um, to really go well this season you know but like um, I'm just I just got to keep working hard you know and um, the first two days for me has been really good you know? so I just want to continue that going and have a wonderful preseason. Yeah. Goal scoring was was a concern last year for in terms of a team do you, do you feel like you could be a guy to to rectify that? Yeah, you know, I mean, first, I mean, there's things that I needed to work on um, um, on the field and off the field, and I think um, so far I've rec- rectified them, especially with things off the field, you know, I mean, the goals have has been coming for me um, as I want them to for Vancouver, you know, um, so one of the things that I look back on last scenes, you know, how can I translate my national team goal scoring into club goal scoring, you know, and um, I think I'm slowly figuring it out, you know. So hopefully, once I get that, um, as I said, rectified, then it should be a good um, season coming this season. You spent a lot of time away with Jamaica in the summer. How, how hard is it to kind of go in and out from club football to international football? You know, um, for me, um, I've been with the national team for I think the last three or four years, so it it's much easier. But it's still tough, you know, because with MLS, there's a lot of traveling, which we're using, and so we're not complaining, you know, like, we love what we do, so we're never going to complain about that. But it's still a lot of traveling, you know, from Copa America, where I was in um, South America, you know, and playing Gold Cup, a lot of traveling, you know. But where you see, we're, we're pros, so we're not going to find too much excuses, you know, so um, we just got to do what we got to do, you know, and just... and. And that is to be a good pro about everything we do. Feel that being away so long with Jamaica was gonna like make it more difficult for you to break into the the first team here. Yeah, most definitely because um, even though I was scoring on a regular basis for Jamaica, you know, like me and Rubble had pretty good shot. Like once the team is winning, you know, like he's not going to change our winning formula, and that's something we discussed. You know, so like there was no um, hard feelings right there. And of course, I would love to get more playing time, you know, but guess what? you got to put the team first, you know, and once the team is winning, then you got to understand your role. So whenever I was away, the team was winning, you know, so it would it would be unfair for me to say as soon as I get back in the team, I need to be thrown in a certain lineup, you know, the team is winning. And once you um, understand that the team come first, then you know your role. Cool. Jared, off the field, congratulations are in order as you're going to be a father. How exciting is that for you and your girlfriend? Um, that's good, you know, I mean, currently, like, she's, um, I got engaged, so she's my fiancé, you know. So, um, but yeah, um, it's really good, you know. As I said, I, because of that, I'm really looking at things in a different perspective, you know, um, on the feeling, off the feeling, and I, I think that's that's gonna help keep me grounded and help keep me disciplined and working hard because, you know, now I've got um, two more to take care of, you know, and that's something I, um, I really take great pride in doing. So, when you talk about this fresh perspective, is it to be a better professional or not? get consumed about the game but you have this family to support uh, and you think that will help your game 
what is the, what is the fresh perspective? It's a bit about you know like I've been used to um being on the bench much you know throughout my career you know so so and with so many competitive guys in this team because we we got a really good team you got to understand that when you get your chance you got to take it you know and that's something that was new to me so I mean as I said I spent the last couple of months on my on my office to really putting things into perspective that. If I go away for Jamaica and when I come back, what I got to do to get in the team and once I'm in the team, to stay in the team. So those are the small things that I've been really working on. Now, every season, it seems to be rumours are swirling around that you're going to get transferred somewhere or traded. Do you hear those? Does it unsettle you or do you just like... Hey, you know what? Um, I hear it all the times. I see it all the times, but it never really unsettled me. You know what I mean? This is MLS. Like Players get traded all the time. But once I'm in Vancouver, my mind is solely on Vancouver. Helping Vancouver through preseason, helping Vancouver during the season. All my focus on Vancouver. And when you see Carol bringing somebody in, like say Kudo, another striker, do you feel that puts you under more pressure, or does it make you reevaluate where you want to play your football? You know, at the end of the day, like all good players welcome competition. You know, like that's going to bring the best out of you. Of course, it's going to be tougher to get playing time and 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 minutes. You know, but. Once it's once it's gonna help your game in the long run, then that's something you like. You gotta give Carl high praises because as a manager of the football team, he wants to win. You know, and like that's the most important thing. Once you know you're rolling in the team, then it shouldn't be a problem. And formation-wise, obviously, like the team just now, they've been playing one striker up front, which doesn't help. I, I, you get in really. There's been talk he may change the formation. I mean, are you happy to play out wide? Do you want to play up front? Like maybe behind someone, what would you kind of prefer? You know, like I like to play number nine, so that's up front as a striker, you know. But I definitely can play a wide, so it's not a problem with me. You know, as I said, like when when it comes to formation changes and stuff like that, like we leave that all up to the gaffer. You know, what I mean, he's know what he's doing. He's been here three years now, and he's, and he's got a pretty good perspective where the team is at and where he's, and where he wants to bring the team. You know, so um, we've we've got faith in him all the players I mean all his assistants yeah. and everyone here you know? so like Carl is going to lead this team going forward and we've got pretty good fit that he's going to do a really good job and just last thing to ask you like Jamaica's in the Copa America again this summer what's it going to mean to kind of play in the States in a centenary tournament like that you know um, that's a really big step for Jamaica and you know? like that's a really um, awesome awesome um, awesome tournament you know like the top teams in South America and the top teams in CONCACAF, you know, so that's going to be a really good tournament. So that's definitely something I'm really looking forward to, you know. So hopefully um, I, I can get a, a really good start with Vancouver and help translate that into my, into my, um, into Copa Centennial. Well, good luck with everything right. and we'll see you in the pitch soon. All right, thank you. Appreciate Thanks, Dan. It's really hard to see just where Darren Mattox is going to fit into the Whitecaps team this year. He's on such a big ticket that you have to get that salary off the Caps books to allow them to maybe do a little bit more movement in the transfer market. For the player himself, he also needs to be playing regularly, especially if he wants to have a a future at international level. He has to get those minutes under his belt. But he seems happy, he seems a lot more mature. But when you see players that Robles brought in, Rivero last year started strongly then tailed off. How he does this year of course remains to be seen. 
There's the addition of Masato Kuro, as we mentioned, and he's looked really good in the camp so far this week. They've had a couple of small scrimmages, and Wednesday and Thursday took a number of his chances, buried headers, shots, different angles. He looks really impressive. I'll reserve getting too excited just until I see him actually playing some games, but I'm a lot more optimistic about the Whitecaps' attack this year than I was last year. Even the draft picks that were added, Chris Hellman's done it, albeit at a low level at college, but he's a prolific goal scorer. And again, from a guy that we saw just at, at camp in the scrimmages so far this week, Thomas Sanner seems to be able to finish as well. So it's all very promising. And where Mattix will fit into that, we're just going to have to wait and see. There's going to be a new Whitecaps strikers coach helping them along the way this year as well. Robert Enshaw, retired from a player, taking on to the coaching staff of the MLS team as well as becoming head coach of the U14s at the residency. The announcement was made on Thursday and this afternoon myself and a couple of other reporters got a chance to catch up with Ernie at the Whitecaps residency's training facility out at Burnaby Lake. So we just asked him a little bit about what prompted the retirement, what he's most looking forward to as a coach and a few other things as well. So here is Ernie. You can hear the offbeats pound as they raced across the ground And the clatter of the wheels as they spun round and round And he galloped into Market Street, his badge upon his chest His name was Ernie, and he drove the fastest milk cart in the West And he drove the fastest milk cart in the West So, obviously, decision to retire for any player is a a long, hard-taking one. Why now? I think, uh, yeah, of course it's been difficult, probably the most difficult of my career. I think, uh, you know, I took a a couple of weeks to really have a think about it. Um, Why now? I think um, this is a great opportunity for me, you know. Um, There's not many times in your, or chances a lot of players have that uh, they can transition from, uh, straight from playing uh, and come into a great setup. and I've got to, you know, one of the reasons I'm here is because we have a great staff here, uh, a lot of great coaches here, um, and uh, the setup with the with the Whitecaps behind the scenes is brilliant. Uh, so that's a big factor, you know. I want to be a, at a club like that, you know, and that's why I uh, obviously I took took up this role. Um, very difficult decision for me, um, you know, but exciting, exciting because. Yes, very sad that uh, you know I'm not going to play professionally any longer. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, it's something that uh, I've got a role now, uh, a coaching role that I can I can give back. I can uh, teach the kids, teach the teach the guys, teach people in the club. You know, uh, a lot of things, a lot of experiences, a lot of great things that I can uh, give to to other people so they can benefit from it. How long has this been in the works? Uh, a couple of weeks, really. Um, you know, we, we spoke about it briefly uh, before, but um, the last couple of weeks is when really uh, we've discussed it further. Uh, really spoke about what uh, you know what the role is, and um, I've had some time for me to also have a think about it, yeah. uh, sit back and look to what I want in the future, um, and come to a decision. Did you feel like having one more shot with a club? Did that? Like, how how seriously did you consider? Maybe going back to England, having one more chance over there. Oh, listen, <laughs> the funny thing is my body's been telling me, play on, 
because uh, of I feel good, you know, I, I feel uh, I could uh, play for longer, uh, for sure, you know, but it was weighing up whether I play for longer and, you know, maybe it might be here, maybe it might be somewhere else, or um, take up a role that I've also been thinking about it the last couple of years and uh, something that is something that uh, is exciting, you know, uh, and I can transition, um, you know. So I also, uh, you know, I want to be excited. You know, I want to be still in football. I want to, you know, I want to give back as well, you know, and that's that was the big key point for me. Do you enjoy the, the, the poetry, Robert, of going out one minute, one touch in the goal? <laughs> I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss those moments. Uh, but, uh, yeah, listen, uh, I've always loved scoring goals and making moments happen, you know, being, you know, those little things that happen and light the stadium up, you know, those are what you play football for. What do, what do those feelings get replaced by now? What do you get, what do you think the, the joy comes from, from this side of things? Well, I, I don't know if you can really replace that. I don't think you can. I don't think that's, uh, uh, th- those are special moments that you, you, I guess, it happens over your career. You do, you make happen. Uh, but I don't think it. it uh, I don't think you can re- replace them. You can just do other things uh, that excite you. You know, uh, you can't ever beat playing. You know, you can't ever beat that. But this is the next best thing. This is the something that I'm excited about. You know, yeah, I've just been uh, introduced to the my team there, the U14s, and uh, just to see come in, I introduce myself, see their faces. You know, and then they start asking me questions about football and stuff. You know, I automatically get excited. You know, and we, you know, they ask me best players I played with, against. You know, that excitement uh, from them is uh, is something that I'm looking forward to. You know, because uh, that's what that's how I want them to see football. That's how you know. So I want to I want to give back. I want to promote that. You know, I want them to. I want to see. Uh, you know, it'll be an incredible feeling for me if I coach somebody. And I see them go right to the very top, um, and you play a part on that. You know that's uh, that's maybe something that is going to be very very exciting. How do you compare your nerves for your first team talk compared to playing in some of your biggest games? To be honest, it's more nervous speaking to the kids than uh, <laughs> than playing in front of eighty thousand, um, because I don't know. Maybe it's a, a natural thing to be on the pitch and on the stage and and people around you. But uh, when you have to speak to to the kids and They've got no filter. They ask you crazy questions. Uh, that's uh, more nerve-wracking. Had you uh, had any previous coaching experience at, at all before this? Or is this a um, new challenge? For you? No, this is a new challenge. Uh, I obviously have done my uh, my oh. coaching badges, um, so I've you know I've got qualifications in that. Um, but uh, yeah, now it's it's time to you know bring those badges, bring that experience, uh, and my playing career also. Um, and I guess over the last two or three years, I think you get to an age where you're experienced enough that sometimes you coach on the pitch as a player. Uh, so it's, it's kind of felt like that over the last few years. Um, so, you know, for me, it's I'm going to be there and, you know, coaching and, and, and helping the kids get better. Have you finished? Was it the UEFA A that you were doing? Uh, finished my UEFA B. Yeah, uh, UEFA B. So... That's what I've done so far. And we saw you take some sessions with the USL team last year. Have you coached at youth level? Were you doing some of your badges at youth level? Or is this the first time that you've been with kids this age? To be honest, yeah. Uh, when I did my uh, my B licence, it was a similar age um, to this. So, 
it's something that I've done before. So uh, that also makes me feel comfortable because, uh, you know, I, I understand it. But listen, last year I was coaching some of the MLS and, you know, people who were in their 20s and, and 30s sometimes with, with Palmo Duca. <laughs> I was coaching him sometimes. So it's not a problem. And you're going to be doing the strikers coaching as well. What does the team need to do or what can you instill in this team that actually gets them to put the ball in the back of the net? Listen, um, yes, I'll, I'll be doing forwards coach, um, you know, when my schedule permits uh, and when I can. Uh, so I'll be combining the two. So, you know, helping Robbo as much as I can, uh, helping the club as much as I can. Um, you know, I think uh, over the next, I guess, month, th you know, the team's going to have to just work on uh, creating chances, um, keep doing what they're doing and just improve on what what last year was, was like because we created a lot of chances last year, um, did very well in, in that process and what's, that's what you do, you know, I think it's, it's just about that creativity, it's about, uh, you know, the fine inches, see where you can improve from last year uh, and now you've got a little bit of time, you've got a month to, to really just have a look at it, work on it, work on the games in pre-season and uh, you know, hopefully by the start of the season, you're flying. Can you take yourself back to 12, 13 years old? And who were some of the, the coaches that really made an impact on you? What do you remember the key kind of learnings from that age being, the types of things you want to instill in these kids? Uh, listen, uh, I remember, it's funny because I only actually started playing football when I, uh, for, a, for a team when I was 12. Uh, the, my earliest memories was actually, I was back in Zambia and my mum used to play. Uh, she was very good, uh, so that's my earliest memory. But I actually didn't play very much, funnily enough, until really when I got to the UK. And when I got to the UK, and I'm seeing you know people like Ryan Giggs, and especially like I mentioned it in my open letter, uh, when I watched the 1994 World Cup, you know I was, my favorite player was Romario, you know, and I was watching Romario, and, and I was like, that's what I want to do, you know, that's where I want to be, you know, so. I think uh, that's when I really started picking it up. So when I was 12, uh, 13, I was just playing locally. Uh, but really, you know, the, some of the, I think when I was about 14, uh, 13, 14, is when really um, I had a guy, um, two guys actually, two coaches I had, uh, Di Thomas and uh, Phil Williams uh, in Kefili. Um Probably had a huge, huge um, influence on me uh, because they were very professional. Uh, two local guys, great, great people, um, who pushed me and uh, wanted me to be a professional, uh, and that's what they did. And um, a lot of credit goes to those, you know. And um, you know, I, I, every now and again, you, you'll I'll see them and you know say hello to them. But uh, that's that's what I remember, you know, when I really started playing, you know, and at, at 12, 13, that's when the people that influenced me. Is it, is it all difficult to, to shift your mindset from being around professionals for so long and types of talking points and training to then coming down to 14, 12, 13, remembering types of things that... Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges that's, uh, that's going to come my way. And I think it's going to be, it's go you know, it's going to be something that I have to pay attention to and, you know, tweak and change. And, um, but I think it, it, you, you're dealing with... Uh, you're dealing with footballers, you know, whether it's at the highest level, whether it's MLS, whether it's a 35-year-old veteran or to a young guy, you just have to speak to them, learn how to speak to them, learn how they respond and, uh, you know, and get the information across because you're all after the same goal. You all want to be getting better every day. Um, so it's just how you speak to them. And, uh, you know, I've 
been lucky that uh, I've played with a lot of players from all different types of characters, all different types of people, so uh, I can handle that. When, uh, when you made the decision to retire, did you think that uh, you could do something else in, in soccer, like uh, something on the media side at all, or did you kind of have your heart set on, uh, on coaching? Yeah, um, to be honest, it, I've retired um, a lot to do with because of the role that's been offered to me, uh, because of where I see my future. Um, I've done, uh, I, was, I was actually in, back in the UK doing some media, so media is also something that I've, uh, I've enjoyed. Uh, you know, it comes natural to me. I've, I've, you know, I've done it for 18 years, so, you know, I've got a bit of a background on that, and it's, it's enjoyable, it's fun. You know, I talk about what I love, you know, and what I think about it. You know, that's brilliant. Uh, so I've done some of that, but uh, I think more is the opportunity that uh, the Whitecaps have given to me, uh, you know, and uh, the confidence that they, they want me to, to be here and help this club uh, and help Canadian football, you know. Um, I'm in Canada to, to help Canadian football, you know, right throughout and do the best I can, uh, give my experience uh, and my knowledge uh, and hand that over, you know, you know, make people better, make players good, um, and enjoy it in the process. Well, as someone that's played at the top of the game, do you feel there's maybe a little bit less pressure on you starting your coaching journey in another country where maybe the spotlight's not on you as much? Um, I think it's still the same. Uh, maybe slightly less, uh, if I think about it. Um, I think it's a... It, I, listen, there's always pressure on it. You know, for me, you know, I, I don't get into something, I don't... I don't want to be involved with something unless I'm giving my all. You know, so for me, whether it's I'm coaching in the Premier League to four teams and, and forwards coach, uh, day to day, I'm still going to be given the same information. I'm still going to be trying to get players better. Uh, and that's the role. So it's no real different in how I look at it. Um, but we'll see, you know, maybe I'm the new special one, I don't know. <laughs> and as a player, you've played under so many coaches in your career. As a pro, what coaches would you like to kind of see you moulding your own coaching style on? Um, to be honest, nobody. I, I, I don't, even as a player, I never wanted to be like somebody. I just wanted to take the skills off somebody and see if I can learn it and, and uh bring that into my game so I think it's the same with coaching you know I think you, you take certain skills certain um, certain things from other coaches um, that you can uh, hopefully make you better and that's that's what I, you know obviously I love pe the people who remember what the game is about you know I always I, I never forget what the game is about it's about enjoying it. it's about having fun uh, but it's about the entertainment you know it's about you know, make, putting smiles on people's faces, whether it's the players that are playing or the crowd, you know, coming to see or you guys, the media, you know, it's, it has to be enjoyable. Uh, and that's, that's what I want. That's what I said to, to my kids there that, um, you know, I want them to have fun always, enjoy the game, you know, and aim very, very high, you know. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. You scored a lot of goals in your career. Ernie, what would you have in top three? Put you on the spot. Oh, <laughs> top three. Uh, I'd say I scored uh, my first my first ever goal for Cardiff uh, overhead kick about the penalty spot. Um, 
so I think that's probably one of my best ones. I, I, I scored one against Stoke as well for Cardiff from about 35 yards, left foot volley in the top corner. Um, and I'd say one of my favourite ones is probably uh, scoring uh, scoring the winner against Germany is probably my favourite one. I think uh, that's the one that really, you know, jumps to the top of my mind, you know, because, you know, anytime you can beat Germany at the Millennium Stadium and it's like, I scored, but the whole country felt it, you know, it was one of those moments. Uh, we beat Germany, who then two months later were in the World Cup final, you know, and uh, it was my debut and I was, you know, I remember sitting up all night uh, until about 8 a.m. with James Collins, who plays for West Ham, and uh, he was just saying to me, what have you done, Ernie? What have you done? <laughs> you know, like just disbelief. You know, we were kids that like, we just been playing in front of 70,000 and scored the winner. And it's like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, it's one of those moments. So things like that, you know, I'll, I'll forever, you know, hold on to. Are you going to teach the kids bicycle kicks and backflips? Yes, I am. <laughs> no, listen, I, it's, I'm going to let them express themselves and, uh, and uh, you know, see what their skill level is and, uh, you know, let them be their own players. It's, uh, like I said to them, it's, it's, it's not going to be about me. It's about me giving uh, and me being an influence and, and me being the best influence I can on them and, uh, and helping them. That's it. Uh, but... Uh, the more they can entertain me as a coach, the, the better than I know. If I'm entertained, they're doing something right. I also got a chance to speak to Ernie for a little bit after we, we did the recording there and I asked him, although he's just starting out his coaching journey, what would be his, his dream coaching job in football? Would it be the Welsh national team? And he said, yeah, down the road he would love to do that. That would kind of be the pinnacle of any coaching job. And he also said as well that he learned an awful lot from the former Wales manager Gary Speed who tragically died a, a few years ago. And he just said that the way that when he came into the Welsh setup, it just brought so many new ideas and just a fresh approach. And that Wales are basically reaping the benefits for that now. So let's hope he can kind of bring some of those qualities into the Whitecaps. And let's hope the Whitecaps can reap some of those benefits going forward. It's definitely going to be a case where he's going to be learning on the job. It's a, a steep learning curve for him. There is a big difference between coaching even the USL team and going down to kind of like teaching kids. But it's where a lot of pros in the UK seem to start. We wish him well. But with the experience he's got after 18 years in the game worldwide, you have to feel that what he's going to bring to the Whitecaps, coaching the strikers and the first team particularly, but also with the under-14 team, it's it's going to be great. We wish him well. We think he's going to do well. And hopefully he's going to be part of the Whitecaps organisation for many years to come. So we heard from one of the, the white cap strikers that he might be coaching, Darren Mattix. Always a lot of rumours as we discussed as to whether Darren is going to still be a white cap or not. And another striker whose future has been a cause for debate in the off-season is Eric Hurtado. Now Hurtado is actually entering his fourth year as a white cap. It's kind of hard to think that he's been here for so long now. But entering his fourth year, after a promising 2014 season... 
Eric kind of seemed to regress a little bit last year. Fell out of favour. The, the addition of Octavio Rivero made Matix a number two and then kind of pushed Eric a little bit further down the pecking order as well behind Earnshaw. It ended up with him going out on loan to Norway and he had a spell in the late summer with top flight side Mjondelen. Probably murdered the pronunciation of that. So if Marius Roft is listening to this, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll hear it from him. But he, he played 12 games there, scored one goal, one own goal. The team got relegated at the end of the season, but crucially, it, it got him first team minutes. 649 competitive minutes in a top flight league. Hopefully, it's going to have him come back more focused, honed a little bit for skills and kind of champing at the bit to, to get back into the team. So I got a chance to catch up with Eric at training on Monday. You might have seen part of this interview already on AFTN, but here's the the full version of it now, and you'll just get to hear how excited Eric is talking about his time in Norway and what he's hoping to do with the White Caps going forward. So here's E-Money himself. Ask Eric, how does it feel being back in Vancouver? Uh, it feels great to be back in Vancouver. The spell that you had over in Norway last year, uh, was it your idea to kind of go and, and get some time or did the club want you to kind of go and get some first team minutes somewhere? Uh, yeah, it was a mutual decision. You know, it was a great opportunity for me to get playing time, uh, start some games, get 90 minute games under my belt, you know, because uh, I need to get that experience. And why Norway? How did, how did that come about? It just seems so random. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, how, how did you find it? I mean, first of all, like weather-wise, I guess it was, it was still it was, not too it, bad. No, no, no. When I got there, and uh, it was August, uh, and it was hot. It was nice. It was sunny. Beautiful country. Um, fjords all over, you know, uh, in the valley. And then around September, October, it got pretty cold. Yeah. Pretty cold. But, you know, it's cold here in Vancouver, too. Yeah, I've been to Finland and it's like yeah. I was in December and it was just like absolutely free. I came back mid like right around the time the season ended here, so I didn't see any snow and it wasn't too cold. It was probably um, right around freezing. Yeah. Did you get a chance to do much sightseeing there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of a lot of valleys, so I did a lot of hiking and then in the fjords. Uh, so I would go on a boat in the summer and I would just go through it. and It was pretty nice. Cool. Yeah. And has that kind of given you a taste to maybe go and explore options oh, yeah. overseas at some point? Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm just focused on the preseason yeah. here. So, talking of that, then, so you're back in the camp. Obviously, they've added another striker in Misakuro. Mm-hmm. There's lots of rumours that Darren may or may not be back. Ernie's retiring. Where do you see yourself fitting in with the team just now? Right now, I'm just trying to work hard, <clears throat> do what I can. Uh, you know, just do my best. Now, last season, you didn't maybe get the minutes that you were looking for here. Must it, was it disappointing the way that you kind of played the season before? You'd had so many starts, you'd got those goals. They seemed to maybe fall down the pecking order a little bit. No, that's football. It happens, you know. You just got to keep your head up. Uh, you got to think about the bigger picture, you know. And you didn't seem to play many USL games. Was that your decision or was it the club didn't want you to do that? Uh, <clears throat> it was more of like a mutual mutual decision because they had me they had me available for the first team games, but then I did play some USL games. I, I went on a, a trip to OKC um, and I played maybe about five or six, so I did play a few of them, yeah. 
but I was just kind of in the medi like medium between the first team and the, the USL team. And like looking today with all the training and stuff, your jumping is phenomenal. It's like, <laughs> how do you get such height into your jumps? Uh, I don't know, genetics? <laughs> <laughs> I was like impressive for the watch. What, what do you feel you need to work on then in your game? What, what do you need to do to, first of all, I guess, break into the game day 18 on a regular basis mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then hopefully get more and more minutes? Yeah, I just need to, right now I just need to focus on getting fit and getting back into the flow with the team. Yeah. What, what have you learned in your time here, like playing alongside like an experienced guy like Earnshaw mm -hmm. and then having Octavio come in and stuff like that, and then being over in Norway as well? What, what have you learned in the last year that's kind of brought your game on maybe to the next level? Um, it's a long season. A lot can happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long season. Okay, that's yeah. great. All right, thanks. thanks so much. Yeah, nice Cheers, Eric. You. Yeah, you too. So Eric Hurtado there, I have to say that is the most enthused I've ever seen and heard Eric when I've spoken to him over the past three years, talking about his experiences in Norway, just seemed to love the country, and it's maybe just given him a taste for some more international football somewhere else down the road in his career. Hurtado has looked good in training this week at pre-season, he's, he's come back, he looks leaner, he's definitely lost some weight. He looked fit in the beep test, he looked good with the jumping, which I believe he won that those results haven't been announced yet at the time of recording this. And also at Wednesday at training they were doing laps and he was looking pretty fit and, and lapping some, some of the other players as he, he was going round there as well. So his fitness level is definitely there. Whether he's worked on his control and his finishing and especially that first touch, that's going to be the key to see exactly whether he has a future with the Whitecaps. He's on a low ticket. Not a, a great salary hit, and he's proved he can score at MLS level, so if Robbo can't find this big target man that he's looking to bring in for something different, you might see Eric still being a white cap come first kick. How many MLS minutes or game day squad appearances he gets is a whole other matter. He definitely needs to play more USL this year, and there's going to be the Canadian Championship, and the CONCACAF Champions League to get him minutes as well, so at least there is that. So he's one of a number of players that is kind of you feel it's a make-or-break year for them with the Whitecaps if, if he does indeed stay here for the full season. It's been a, a week of fitness, really, with the, the Whitecaps for, for this opening week of pre-season camp. It was the physical testing on Monday, as we mentioned there, with the beep tests, the sprints and the jumps. Wednesday was a little bit of ball work, but there was a, a lot of kind of movement and like just running and lapping around the pitch. It was interesting to kind of see the differences in the, the fitness levels of some of the players. Someone like Nicholas Mosquera, he was kind of a little bit off the, the pace, but turned out we found out that he then had a, a bit of a bug, a kind of little bit of a flu, so, so that explains that. Pedro's looking a lot fitter this year. Octavio's looking good as well. Of the camp invitees, Fatawa Saifu, he was looking pretty unfit and really falling behind on the pace. And I mean, you see that the two Canadian invitees have actually got contracts with WFC2 already. You kind of have to wonder if they're they're needing Fatou to kind of raise his fitness levels before they maybe offer him a contract as well. There's no doubt he's got the skills on the pitch, but he needs to have that fitness level there. I've also been impressed with a number of the, the young guys, especially some of the USL guys that are in the camp. Jackson Farmer, he did excellent again, winning the second group's beep test. Second overall, just behind Sam Adekugbe. Brett Levis as well, he looks super fit this year. 
did well in the beep test, did well in the laps. He's definitely put the work in in the off-season. We spoke to him in November. Check out that interview on AFTN. And he said he wanted to knuckle down and put in the hard work and get his fitness levels right. He didn't want to not get his opportunity by not being fit. And he's definitely grabbed that with both hands. Victor Blasco, another guy that's looking as if he's kind of bulked up a little bit in the gym and has got some extra fitness to his bow as well. And talking about guys that's added extra fitness or are maybe going to stand out with their fitness and looking to grab their opportunities with both hands, another player that falls into that category is centre-back Christian Dean. So myself, Har, Jason Perez from CTV got a chance to speak to Christian at training on Wednesday. So here's what the big centre-back had to say, starting off with just a, a few words about his fitness levels. I think, you know, after a couple of days, I'm feeling really good. Um, I mean, I think my fitness level is, is high, but I think it, it could be higher. I think everybody, a lot of the team is very fit, which is a nice sign. Uh, so it looks looks good so far. Yeah, fresh season. Uh, what are your goals this year personally for you? Just to play. You know, yeah. everybody just wants to play. Christian, you won the beep test the other day. What, what did your off-season regiment consist of? Uh, just the stuff that they provided me. Uh, John Pauly, our uh, fitness trainer, and uh, he just gave us a workout to do and did that. Uh, and I did a little more running on my own, but you know, I was just sticking to what they, they gave us worked. You seem disappointed. Although you won it, it's like you seem disappointed you thought you could have gone a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think especially coming off last season, uh, I think, you know, being being the second fittest on the team right behind Russell was something that I prided myself on. And uh, I think, you know, uh, coming in and not not scoring as high as I wanted to was a little disappointing to me, but I'm still you know I'm still still at a great place. You feel the team is priding itself on on fitness uh, comparative to to other teams uh, in the league. Yeah, you know I think being a younger team, um, I think our fitness levels are going to be very high. Uh, we're all young. We're very very motivated to uh, you know continue and even even be better than we were last season. Everybody wants to be better, and I think you know the fitness levels are something that's going to help us throughout this whole season. Now, last season, you probably didn't get as many MLS minutes as you would have mm-hmm. liked, but a guy like Tim coming in and challenging you and your good friends off the pitch and then playing together, what do you feel like his performance has done to help raise your game? Uh, you know, I think just seeing him, you know, being seeing him being able, you know, to come in and play at the levels that you know I was I kind of questioned myself about I think you know that pushed me towards the end of the season I got my opportunities I played up to my abilities and I think you know this season just coming in and you know Tim has that spot right now but I'm gonna fight for him for it and even push Kendall you know just keep the team up every year is a big year for, for a younger guy Christian but how big does this season feel for you to really establish yourself as, a, as an MLS starter uh, you know it's my third season so I think it's it's important for me to push to get get the starts that I need to get to you know be where I want to be in my career uh, I mean I love I love playing here I love the locker room it's probably the most amazing locker room I've ever been in even though you know just college and high school but I think you know I just I want to play here and I think I'm going to have to push myself to get the stars. So a very fit and a very motivated Christian Dean there. Great to hear. 
I'm a big fan of what, what Dean can bring to the Whitecaps. And we've seen in USL, we've seen the couple of times that they played together in MLS and also in the Champions League, that a Parker-Dean combination at the back is a very commanding and, and dominant centre-back partnership. Obviously, Kendall's the number one. Tim Parker is the number two just now. I think we will see Dean installed as the number three choice this year with Pa dropping down to four. And kind of being in the squad more for a kind of motivational and coaching kind of role. But it's definitely good to hear that Christian wants to be here. He wants to play here. And it is going to kind of be almost a make or break here for him, you kind of feel. If he stands out and excels this year, then he's going to get his time. I mean, Kendall's going to miss games through suspension. He's going to miss games through being called up for international duty. Good chance that Tim Parker might be away on international duty as well. The Whitecaps haven't been lucky over the years when it comes to injuries at the centre-back position, so there's always that worry that that might come into play again. He certainly looked fit and sharp in pre-season camp so far this week, so we'll just have to see how he does when he gets some time on the pitch, and as he says, he knows he needs to take it. Let's hope he does. I still have this hankering that Carl Robinson might go for a 3-5-2 formation at some point, with Kendall in the middle of the defence, Tim on the right of the... the back three and, and Christian on the left makes a lot of sense, frees up a lot more of the attacking options having maybe Pedro playing a little bit deeper beside Laba would just be a fantastic formation to me but we'll see how that goes and something which could come into play with that of course is how confident Robo feels with his right backs and we know the left back position is good we've got Harvey and Ada Kugby but how confident is he with the right back situation and Jordan Smith Oh, the, the scuttlebutt just now is that Fraser Aird is coming in on loan from Glasgow Rangers. I'm not 100% convinced with, with that move. If he can't cut it in the second tier of Scottish football, and yes, you can argue that Rangers are a bigger club, so it's maybe harder to break in there. But if he can't break in with a team in a poor league, is he going to cut it at MLS level? Good to have him on the bench and pushing Jordan Smith. Even a, a possibility at, at right winger, because he's a right winger converted to a right back. So we'll see how that plays out and if Robo can get that over the line as he's been trying to do the last couple of days. As you'll have heard in the podcast a couple of episodes ago, I asked Carol about the possibility of maybe Chris Serbin fitting into that right-back role. So that is still a possibility. And Chris has looked sharp in pre-season camp as well this year. So with the Whitecaps heading down to Tucson at the weekend for the next 10 days, there's probably going to be some more roster moves. Some of the, these guys, maybe even some of the guys we've spoken to in this podcast, may be moving on. Maybe some fresh faces coming in. Kristen Balanos, he's going to be joining the camp on Wednesday. So we'll see how he fits in, what he has to say. We've got a couple of special podcasts coming up with our next two episodes. So won't tell you too much about them just now, but I think you'll enjoy both of them. And both with a very Canadian perspective, let's just say that. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, aftn.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so read all my stuff on that. So until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Take care, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.